with Willy Wonka's wild and wonderful wishy-washy Wonka Walker. Please don't make me say that again. Tiddles gets to run, and I can have fun. Scrub, scrub. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe was unfortunately not here, which is a shame, but he uh, he, uh, he just got really busy, which is, uh, we'll deal with it. Regardless, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We took it to film, be the most explorer for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. Uh, this is episode 559, 559, and this week we are talking Wonka, the story of how Willie became Wonka. That's right. And uh, joining me to discuss Wonka, we have from Fast Film Reviews, it's his giant peach, so stop asking for rides. It's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. And from Lenoir Artur, his great glass elevator will shatter if you're not careful. It's Terrence Johnson. Did you intend for both of those introductions to sound sexual? No, no. <laughs> not at all. I was being very literal. <laughs> you guys, get your head out of the gun. I just think of the, there's animals that ride this peach. People are riding it all over the world. <laughs> oh, people are riding it all over the world, huh? Okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn this bus around. <laughs> how, are you, how are you both doing? Family today? friendly film. <laughs> what, what's happening in your guys' world? How are you doing? Are you good? Yeah. I'm great. Christmas right. is on the horizon. I'm, you know. I'm I'm starting to feel the spirit, so I'm good. You got your elf ears on, wear nothing but red and green for the next couple of weeks. Jingle bells, all that. All that, great. Well, I, I'm glad to have both of you here, regardless of where your head's at these days. I was just, just talk about <laughs> you some, wrote in, the some innocent children movies with you. The last time I was on this podcast, you were talking about the quality of my skin, so I'm, I wouldn't put anything past you. <laughs> the fact that you held on to this, and I'm like, I guess I did. I don't know. I forget this in busy life. We were talking Wait, about what, killers. What, of the... what episode is that? I need to. I need to killers listen of, to that. Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> oh, okay. I do. It was an oil joke, right? <laughs> yes, it was. Fair. Well, I, I am glad to have both of you here to talk to talk Wonka, a movie that definitely needs our deep analysis, uh, which is what exactly we're going to provide. But let's get to some, some show notes here first beforehand. Uh, first up, as as Mark, you mentioned, it is the holiday season, uh, which is exciting uh, because that means there's lots of movies coming out, which does mean we'll have lots of bonus episodes because there's so many things we don't want to give a short shrift to them. So we'll be sure to uh, be providing uh, plenty of bonus episodes covering a lot of the uh, the uh, the releases along the way leading up to the end of the year here. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, speaking of bonus episodes, our new commentary track. Speaking of Wonka, for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 film, uh, that was just released uh, yesterday as of the time of this recording. So if you want to check out our new commentary featuring myself, Scott Mendelson, Brandon Peters, and Nancy Burns, uh, we had a lot of fun talking all about the Gene Wilder film and all that entails. So be sure to take a listen to that, which you can do on iTunes or Spotify, which you can also, uh, a, a place where you can buy this, provide us with reviews and or ratings, which would be great. You can pop us over the old iTunes charts by uh, searching for our show out now with Aaron and Abe, giving a star rating and a review. That'd be great. So thank you for that. Okay, good. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's get let's get into the show here. Let's get to some out now quickies. TM. This, but each week, I know we talk about the week. But Mark, let's let's start. Let's start with you. Uh, what other films have you seen recently? So I want to talk about some of the things that are in the theater right now that I really enjoyed, or actually what, two movies that are in the theater and one that's actually streaming. Godzilla minus one. Hey, that's a good one. I know, I I know you're you know you're an expert, Aaron, um, but I 
I love this movie. And, you know, I I had heard good things about it, but I was I was just blown away by how great it was. I mean, it was just everything I want in a Godzilla movie. It was it was simple. It was retro. It was uncomplicated. He's just a monster. He's he's there to destroy. I liked the fact that it was set shortly after World War II. I got the fact that they're trying to rebuild, and now here's Godzilla kind of knocking them down again. I thought the effects were amazing. I loved seeing Godzilla in the water, chasing their little rickety boat. I love the allusions to Jaws, and there's a little bit of uh, Independence Day in there. And, you know, and I, I saw that all as an homage. You know, I didn't feel like it was stealing from it. It was just sort of using those sort of references to make just a really enjoyable. I love the characters, too. That's the thing. It's like, of course, you want to see a lizard destroying things. That's, you know, why you go see a Godzilla movie. But then it's the characters and, you know, that kind of draw you in. And I, I just love this little family, the 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 guy and the, and the woman with the adopted baby. Um, and they sort of were like thrown together and they sort of grow to, you know, have this relationship and, and she's sweet. She like saves his life, you know, at, at one point. And, and, and there's, you know, I mean, I won't go into like all the details cause that's why you watch the film. But anyway, I was on board with all of it. I thought it was, it's one of the best, I think one of the best things I've seen this year. Yeah, I mean, you, you say it's all you want in a Godzilla movie. I mean, I'd argue, I don't think you disagree with it. I think you, I think it's just all I want in a movie. I mean, it has great drama. There's great spectacle. It has it has what I go to movies to go and see. Uh, the fact that it happens to be involved mm -hmm. in, you know, my preferred franchise doesn't hurt. <laughs> but yes, it's a, it's a real accomplishment. Right. And then um, I recently saw The Boy and the Heron uh, by Hayao Miyazaki. God bless him. I mean, he keeps retiring and then comes back. I think he's retired maybe four times, possibly. Something like that, yeah. And there was a, you know, I think The Wind Rises was the last film that he did. So there was actually mm -hmm. a bit of a wait. Um, mm -hmm. This is, I don't know, I loved it. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm not the biggest anime uh, fan. And, and part of it is that I, I have a little bit of trouble sometimes wrapping my head around the fanciful elements. And I'm sort of questioning, why is this happening? But somehow, I don't know, I was really on board with The Boy and the Heron. I thought the fanciful elements were really well done. I kind of enjoyed the the bits of comedy and and the story. I uh, I actually did see the English dub, so I don't know. Ask, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the version I saw. I actually, and I really liked it. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I know some people are kind of purists about those sort of things, but I think with um, Studio G studio ghibli they really put a lot of work into making sure that that english dub is well done and, yeah. and you know honors the sort of the, the story and everything so i i i loved it i thought it was really a beautifully well done movie and and it was kind of i mean there are it does uh anime always has there are these elements that are kind of bizarre and it does have that uh but yeah uh, i i you know, I enjoyed all of that sort of the way, it, the places it took me. So I, I thought it was really um, one of probably one of my favorite uh, Studio Ghibli uh, films. I, having talked about it last week on the show, I won't reiterate it too much, but I, I will say that having watched the Japanese, you know, the original Japanese language uh, version, looking at like the cast list for the American dub 
and learning that Robert Pattinson played the Heron is nuts to me. <laughs> like it's it's wild. That's right. Like... <laughs> even even knowing that, I'm like, that's his. He must have obviously been affecting some kind of a different voice for it because that doesn't sound like him. It just it makes me respect um, him more because he like put a real performance in to do that, which is something. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really well done. Even the the boy I thought was. Uh, interesting too kind of not you know not the most likable person exactly but sort of interesting uh, yeah, a character different um and another thing I, I like about the english dub is that you're sort of focused now on just looking at the colors and the and the animation and you don't have to i mean i realize that you're when you're reading the the dialogue you're you're still staring at the screen but there's a little bit of it takes you a little bit out of the the just appreciating the beauty of the film. So I, I kind of that's one of the things I sort of liked about it. And then um, the third film uh, is actually streaming on Netflix May December. Um, this is you know uh, with uh, uh, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman and that uh, story about the teacher and the student. And I thought they really approached it from an interesting and very creative way. Uh, and I kind of thought you know. Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore were going to bring it, and they did. But Charles Melton, as her husband, was sort of like the revelation for me. I don't watch Riverdale, so I don't. I've never seen him in that, and I know that's kind of what he's known for. You're not and, missing and, much. <laughs> no, okay. And I know he's done a few movies here and there, but I, I actually haven't seen any of those films he's done. So this is the first time I've ever seen this actor, and I was kind of surprised that he actually not only does he hold his own, but I think. Uh, there's one scene where he's on the rooftop, you know, with his son and that conversation, I thought I was really drawn in. I believed like what he was saying and I felt his, you know, pain. And the thing is, he, he sort of makes this realization through the course of the film. And I just, I thought it was really well done. Um, yeah, it was I, I wasn't actually expecting to like it as much as I did because the story itself is kind of icky. And so I thought, oh, this is may not be something I'm going to want to revisit. But Todd Haynes, I mean, he directed it. And then uh, the screenplay is by Sammy Birch. Who I don't know who that is, but her, she's the creative that, you know, I guess approached the story from this perspective of an actress. And not only does it comment on the actual story, but also comments on the, the art of acting and, and how people, you know, play a role and then sort of the morality of that. I mean, and, you know, uh, Natalie Portman, her character. I mean, she she goes down in, in a, not a good route either. So there's a, there's sort of a lot of uh, blame to be placed on on everyone really. But um, yeah, I'm really interesting. I know this is kind of a polarizing film because I've recommended it to people, and some people come back and say, "Oh, great recommendation." Other people tell me they absolutely hated it. So, you know, I guess take it with a grain of salt. But I, I thought it was quite good. That's right. it. Certainly has its. It's fair. I I I, I can imagine you know, the the average audience member, um, given the style of it all and everything, like you mentioned, the you know the subject matter and the way Haynes is making it, which is it can be a bit over the top. I can you know, I can I can understand like a you know the the casual viewer on Netflix maybe not being like this is amazing, um, but <laughs> but no, I hear you. Uh, well, thank you, Mark uh, Terrence. Let's uh, let's go to you. What have you been watching recently? Yeah, I guess I can talk about some of the films I've seen since Wonka. Um... I too saw Godzilla minus one on Aaron's recommendation and I called him immediately after the movie and was shook by how good it was. So I echo everything that you said, Mark. Okay. Um, 
it is currently in my top five movies of the year. Um, and I am not a giant Godzilla fan. Yeah, it's it's spectacular. I <laughs> want to keep my top ten secret from Aaron, but it mm-hmm. it's hovering. It's it's very likely going to make my top ten. Too. Yeah, it's and maybe I'll see seven more movies this year <laughs> that are better than that, and it'll get bumped out. But for now, it's pretty up there. That would um, be a great year. It would honestly, if Godzilla was the number eleven, then this would be like an all time movie. All time movie year. Hey, I mean, anything but you is right around the corner. So, oh I mean. God. Um, <laughs> I saw the taste. I watched the taste of things. Okay. Which I did not like at all. I can see why certain people might love it. It is just incredibly boring. What is the What's the general premise for people with the taste? The of premise things? is a cook and another cook who had previously been in a relationship. One of them get is getting sick and so the other one decides to start cooking for them mm. it's sort of like the but it's it's just really boring okay <laughs> um it's great great if you like watching food get made it has that going for it it has that going for it um i just didn't the it I, a, a lot of people were joking about how it's like one of the most french movies ever made and i think in terms of the way where you think about like a pretentious french film this is it. And what that means, this fit, this could fit the bill. Okay. Um, I watched Tetris. Hey, all right. Taron Edgerton, very good in the movie. A nice sort of, uh, it's it's a nice movie. I I do wish, I get the gamified aspects of it and uh-huh. like the like the the interstitials. I do kind of wish there was like less of that, less of framing it like a game. I get why they did it, but it just. I think the drama was moving enough. And then every time we got an interstitial, I was like, but that is not Tetris. That's just like, just like some other eight bit cartoon cartoon thing. And I think particularly as the movie is like really moving into its, it's thing. I could, I think it, it, if it would have been edited a little sharper, I think it would have really stuck out with me more, but it's still good. Yeah. I, because there's been multiple, like, you know um how this business um mm-hmm. came to be movies this year and like with that and blackberry and air and like one other that i forget which probably means it's the least of them um i, I, I put tetris uh in like the this the lower half of them but i still think it's you know it's enjoyable yeah and i, and I, I agree i like i think taryn is quite good here i like that there's a <laughs> more of an espionage plot than i expected going on with this film. yes yeah it gets it, it starts getting a little unwieldy <laughs> Which is not bad. We can we can expand, you know, in a movie. But yeah, it just I think a little sharper of an edit would have helped. Um, And then you mentioned Charles Melton, who was on Riverdale. I watched The Archies, which is on Netflix, which is their adaptation of the Archie comics, but set in India in the 60s. And I used to be a big fan of Archie comics growing up. Uh, chewed a lot of bazooka bubblegum with Archie comics, okay. read a lot of Archie comics waiting in the line at the grocery store. Cause they always had like the little booklets. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is so much more my speed of what I think an Archie's adaptation should be versus Riverdale. And that's, that's before Riverdale decided to give everybody magical powers and send them into the past and do all of that. Just like, like the basic <laughs> tenets of adaptation. I think it was 
pretty enjoyable. It's a little long, I can say, but it was like very cute. It's got amazing musical numbers and dance numbers. There's one that comes early in the film that sort of like locked me in with the movie. And I was like, wherever this movie wants to go, I'll go with it. Okay. Um, and it sparked like a two hour long conversation between me and my roommate about how like Indian actors who want to sing, dance and act are in an industry where they can do all three throughout the duration of their careers mm -hmm. versus like American actors at some point you have to make the choice, are you going to do Broadway or are you going to pursue movies and television? Because you can't sing, dance, and act in movies and television. As we're going to talk about a musical today, it's, it's the sort of Wonka thing got wrapped up in it because I'm like, obviously we know Timothy went to a performing arts school, but this is like the first time he's gotten to sing in a movie. And it's, it's just as interesting how like their national cinema, you know, thinking about like RRR, which I loved from last year is like, those are like grown man actors singing, dancing, fighting, jumping on each other's shoulders. Like just it's the full just package. The, yeah. yeah. Just like the, that they get to present all of their skills in a film. And it's like, you develop those skills at a young age and you continue to get to do it throughout your career versus like here to pass or you get to the fork in the road mm -hmm. and it's like, you got to make a choice. So it was, it was really interesting to think about it like that, but it's, it's enjoyable. I had a lot of fun with it. Well, Just go. sort of mm -hmm. uh, offshoot, but Terrence, have you seen Jawan? Uh, not yet. It's in the, it's in the queue. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, so if, if, if you enjoyed RRR, I think it, it's also a, very accessible and, and fun and, and silly, you know, like, yeah. but yeah, enjoyable, I think. Yeah. I think Netflix Netflix might have that one too. Uh, uh, yeah, it's on. It's on. Jawan's on Netflix now. In the in hopefully in the original language. Um, I kind of doubt it, but I can check. <laughs> yeah, that was. I was telling everybody to watch RRR, and I was like, oh, so y'all don't have it in the original. Language. Yeah, but that's probably a, a lot of. There's probably a lot of politics behind. Yep. Behind that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do want to check that movie out. It's in the queue. Jawan extended cut. What? hold on here <laughs> and they do they have three versions of it they have the whatever extended cut is the Talego extended cut and the tamil extended cut. oh my god i might okay. be watching, might be watching Jawan again tonight guys <laughs> you're not getting any sleep tonight extended cut. it's two hours and 50 minutes it's nuts <laughs> all right yeah they have it in three different languages well geez at least they got the rights for Jawan right apparently all right yeah well, you have you certainly have my attention with the Archies, though. I do, I do plan to. I'll, I'll, I'll watch that before I watch the extended cut of Jawan. You got me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I don't know if you grew up even thinking about Archie or liked Archie at all, but it just it was just very interesting to see that movie and being like, oh, like everything doesn't have to be set the time the material was made, mm -hmm. but like the decisions that they made about setting that movie in the sixties and like letting. It just it just felt so much more wholesome is because Riverdale is freaking crazy, but <laughs> and, and terrible. But it just it was like interesting. It was like, oh, they were not shy about the setting. And then they used it to their advantage, particularly as it's set in India. So they could tell like a particularly unique story. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I can't say like I'm I'm a huge Archie head, um, but I am a fan of characters that wear inanimate objects on their heads. So, you know, we got Archie with Jughead, you got, you got Fat Albert. Like, I'm all about that. So, <laughs> anything else, Terrence? Uh, 
that's pretty much it in, on the movie side. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I got a few things that I've seen, and I think I'll hold back on some of them just because we might do some episodes to cover them later on, like Maestro, for example. Um, but I will note um, The Iron Claw, which I watched earlier this week. It comes out, I think, next week, like limited release, and will get expanded eventually. But uh, this is the story oh, of you the... you watched uh... The Iron Claw? Uh-huh. Yeah, I watched The Iron Claw. Yeah, theaters at, nice. a, at a sneak at a sneak preview that was wildly mm. accessible across America. That's what I that's mm. what I saw. <laughs> but this Zach is Zach Efron's transformation in that. I mean, he he's doing some kind of a Robert De Niro raging bull kind of thing. I mean, he he looks so different. Him, him and uh, Jeremy Allen White from the from the from the bear. The there are muscles I didn't know existed on these guys. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. But yeah, this is about the Von Erich family, uh, this wrestling dynasty. Um, they have a uh, there's these like four siblings There's actually five, but they wrote four for this movie. Um, and uh, they have a father who's very domineering. Um, the film is directed by Sean Durkin, who did Martha Marcy May Marlene uh, and The Nest films. I really like uh, so I'm a fan of this director. Uh, and it's basically just a chronicle of what happened with this uh, family. It's a without getting into detail and I went in completely blind, but. You can tell it's not going to be a happy, sunny story just, um, as far as like what's going to go down um, and seeing the causes of that um, are, are quite interesting, if a bit familiar, because it deals a lot with um, kind of hyper masculinity in the wrestling world in the 80s with a, you know, a Midwestern family. Um, but it's uh, certainly well acted. I mean, Zac Efron, I think when he's utilized right, he is really good in things and I, I think here this movie knows how to use him just right because I don't think I've seen him be better in a movie. He's he's very good here, both obviously and you know from a physical standpoint as far as what he had to do to transform himself here, but like just as far as what his what what his version of the of this character like means. Like there's it it he's he's really clocked in here in a way that doesn't feel like he's trying in the same way I've seen him feel in the past. Like he's just a lot. He seems locked into this role. And him and Jeremy Allen White, who they play brothers in here, like they're both very good. Uh, and their father played by Holt McCallany, like also really good. Like it's a really well acted film. It has a nice sense of place to it as far as depicting this kind of late 70s, early 80s time period and getting us into the world of the wrestling without like being a sports movie. It's very much a drama. Um, it does a good job. I there without getting into details there are aspects i think could have been handled a little bit better but for the most part i mean for a a sturdy drama this one certainly delivers i was a fan of the iron claw quite a bit what else did i watch well as far in the realm of presumed prestige films i watched the boys in the boat the uh latest uh film from george clooney the movie that doesn't exist uh it's soon to not that's for sure it'll did you see that tweet <laughs> I, I have <laughs> What, what does that mean? Because I don't, I'm not familiar with it. Somebody... It's, it's a reference to George Clooney's filmography and how he's made films that basically don't exist because yeah. he keeps making these, you know, presumed prestige dramas like The Monuments Men and what have you that just kind of fade out of existence and you never hear about them again. Like no one talks oh, about oh, them. Oh, okay. Like George Clooney, he's made what, like seven, eight films at this point? And yeah. Yeah. I only like two of them. <laughs> like I, and I, Do I, you remember The Tender Bar? you know what i forgot that's how much i forgot the t i forgot and that's recent that's his last movie yes, like, it that was yeah. like wasn't that a was long like time last ago, year or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 
Like I remembered the space one just because it's the space one. Uh, yeah, the Midnight I Sun. remember Suburbicon because I because that movie despised it so much. Um, yes, <laughs> but we, were we both at the same screening? I would be surprised. I mean, that? it was a group hate of that movie because yes. it's because it's a, it's an awful thing. Uh, but so uh, so regardless, I watched The Boys in the Boat, which is a true story based on a best-selling novel that focuses on this um, World War II era rowing team, and. I mean, it's the kind of film that, like, the pieces are there to make something of substance, but it just feels so bland. Like, you have Joel Edgerton as, like, a no-nonsense coach. You have this guy, Callum Turner, who's, like, oh, what, Newt Scamander's brother in the Fantastic Beast films, which we all know and love. Um, the, and as, like, the main rower uh, that we follow here. And I saw this with my dad. Uh, Dad's movie corner. He did not like this movie because he read the book and he was really intrigued, intrigued by the film. And from what I gather, like the book, which is often the case, you know, is much better. But I, I think it's specifically because it has more focus on telling a story about this rower and his journey here to go from being kind of a poor guy who's barely scraping by getting through college to becoming like an Olympian. And the film. It just feels like the most standard sports story that you could see, and it's just not that exciting to watch. Like the, it it relies on a lot of like tropes that you expect from this kind of film, and it you, vaguely it, reminds me of Chariots of Fire. I mean, just yeah, the... except it like if Clooney's going for a throwback kind of feel, he does. There's no like spark to it to make it work better. It just it just kind of sits there, and you're like, okay, I guess we saw one of these movies, I get, but there's nothing unique about it. The you know it has a <laughs> it has a it has a nice score by Alexander Desplat, um, but it, it it just oh our friend our friend Alexander Desplat yeah, um, <laughs> but it just it's just kind of a nothing film, and it's like I I don't know what Clooney's goal is like here like i get that he's interested in stuff and he wants to make movies but when i look at like his whole filmography i'm like what's your thing like what what's the thing you want to do with all of this and i just don't know the answer right now like his first couple of films because i'm a big fan of conventions of a dangerous mind the chuck barris movie i really like good night and good luck that was a best picture nominee that was the best picture nominee and it's like (laughs) and that's when he felt like he was experimenting more as a filmmaker and doing you know interesting things i can't say that about any of these other films they just feel like they're attempting to do something that is interesting to him and he gets good cat he gets good people because he's george clooney like people want to work with him but there's just like i don't know what this what this is with his career as a director but it's just not yeah it hasn't provided many fruitful uh outings since uh you know early on this might be a question for the studio but i i am intrigued by like what when his movies drop Uh uh-huh and does he have any say in that? I mean, he's like a, you know, mega star, but it's like the timing of some, like the, this Boys in the Boat movie coming out now, it's like, okay, it makes sense that you could have it could come out around Christmas, right? It could be like the the dad mm-hmm. sports inspirational Christmas movie, but it's not being marketed to that level. Yeah. And like Tender Bar came out in like April. And it it just they're like weird, it just it's like their their prestige, because it's like it's got George Clooney on it, so like we're treating it like it's this big prestige thing, in theory, but not in practice. Yeah, and yeah I, just, I don't know, man. And I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's I, weird. I, I have not much else to, to focus on because like whatever, like it is what it is. Um, in this line of thinking, I also saw the film Memory. 
uh, with Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard. Um, they play characters who are very damaged for various reasons. One involves sexual abuse. The other involves uh, basically on, like early onset Alzheimer's. Um, I have only so much to say about this movie because I think it's like it's well acted while being like kind of sporadic in its storytelling. Like I think it's good overall, but I I wish it had like a clear line of what it tried to do because Chastain and Sarsgaard are great in this movie. And they have a really interesting chemistry together. But at the end of the day, like the movie itself doesn't like it points. It feels like it points in a direction. Then it kind of goes in a different direction. Then it does the same thing and it repeats that over and over again. And like, and so I just kept thinking like, so what are we, where are we going with this? Uh, beyond just showing these people having a weird, an interesting connection together. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's all I have really offer. I think like it's a well-acted movie, but it's like, okay, like I, I, I wish I wish there was more to gain from it. A movie I did gain a lot from, The Society of the Snow. Um, this is the new film from director J.A. Bayona, who made uh, The Orphanage and The Impossible and a billion-dollar Jurassic World movie. Um, and um, now he's back in, like, impossible territory. He's doing the film based on the on the famous um, uh, plane crash in the Andes involving this uh, Uruguayan um, uh, rugby team. Uh, it was made into a movie back in the 90s called Alive with a lot of white people. So now it's like, maybe we should do it with Uruguayan actors. I don't know. What it was. <laughs> and, um, uh, so they did that. And this movie is uh, thrilling and exhilarating and really uh, even terrifying at times, given like the lengths that you have to go to watch these people, uh, the survivors of this horrific plane crash, like what they have to go through to get through this, you know, the next steps in all of this stuff. Um, it's incredibly well made in the sense that I don't know how you do certain things that he's able to pull off here involving weather and snow and a variety of different like visual tricks to like get you in the sense that these people are going through all this whole ordeal. I think it wisely relies on a lot of um, either first time actors or, you know, non-professional actors to portray like the majority of the, of the, of the, uh, the plane crash survivors in this, because you, you get a you you get an interesting sense of like the community that's formed between these people. You know they're on a team together, but like the, the way it all comes together and the way you watch this journey play out, um, it's uh it's just re it's really well done. I, I, I it's coming into Netflix soon. I absolutely recommend it. It's really it's really good. There's a great. I don't know if you listen to the podcast. You're wrong about no. Um, it's a great podcast, and they did an episode going into more detail about that plane crash and how the survivor survived. Uh -huh. It's one of the few podcasts that I've listened to where there is like a jump scare, <laughs> but just in relaying the information about what happened, right? It's not like they per this person was purposely like, hmm. you know, and then some weird sound comes up. It's like literally they're just describing how these kids had to survive. And you're just like, oh my God. Um, so it'd be, it's, great probably pairing with that movie so i'm in, intrigued to see the movie knowing a bit more about the story okay so this is the same story that alive from that 1993 movie was about it's the same yeah it's the same 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 incident yeah i know there's been, okay because there's multiple survivors um spoilers for history um there are <laughs> there are multiple books that are you know written that have been written about this and the alive okay. is it, alive is based on one of the books this movie's based on one of the other books that was uh, okay because yeah as you were describing it i'm like oh this is very reminiscent of alive to yeah. me and then I, wow I was kind of looking... so this ca I'm, this cast for alive uh-huh <laughs> yeah. you said uruguayan mm -hmm. ethan hawk 
Ethan Hawke, Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton, you know, the most Uruguayan actors they could find at back then. My God. <laughs> Josh Lucas. It's, this sounds like the cast for The Boys of the Boat, if they made that movie in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is... This is a lot. <laughs> it, it's like it's like if they it's like if they said, yeah, cool runnings with uh, Macaulay Culkin. Um, <laughs> but hey, Jay Bayona, he made a film now, and hey, you know, this is Spain's official entry into the uh, Academy Awards, whatever that means. Given that it's about Uruguay, but still, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> We're all over the place. Vim Vendors is has is up for the the Japanese submission for the Oscars. We're all where I saw know, that. It's a. You know, in a, you know, they didn't anticipate how good Godzilla minus one is going to be. So, like, yeah, we'll submit Vim Vendor's movie. That, that makes <sighs> it makes sense to us. <laughs> oh, you know, speaking of submitting the wrong film, France. I mean, you just talked about the taste of things, and that's their submission. But they should have uh-huh. an anatomy, anatomy of a fall. Of a fall. Yeah. I mean, talking about my top ten, I guarantee you that's going to be somewhere in my top ten. I mean, you know, it only won the Palme d'Or. What what does France know about know. submitting the right movie? <laughs> That just little awards. Yeah. Just what does that count for? It's it's always intriguing to see what the the country. There's so much. I feel like there's so much mess that goes into. Well, it's it, talk about politics. I mean, that's these foreign yeah. film submissions are all politics in almost yeah. every country. Yeah. I I saw Rebel Moon, but I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger for next week's episode. Like please, I, <laughs> please, I don't I don't have the strength. I, I think next week when we talk about Aquaman, that feels like a fitting time to talk about Rebel Moon. <laughs> so I'll I'll get there. Um. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. That's out of cookies. Yeah. Tim. Thank you. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. We're talking about one of the news movie trailers of the week. When it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. And this week we're talking if this is the upcoming fantasy comedy live action animated film directed and written and produced by John from the the visionary mind, I assume, of John Krasinski. It uh, features a a big cast, including Ryan Reynolds, uh, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Bobby Moynihan. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Steve Carell, uh, Sam Rockwell, Ma Rudolph, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt. There's a lot of people in this thing. Um, the premise involves a young girl who gains the ability to see people's imaginary friends who have been abandoned by their kid by the, by the kids that they helped. Terrence, since this is so fresh in your mind, I'm, I'm curious. What did you think of the trailer for If um, or so IF? What is it called? Is it called I? It's, it's I guess a, it's IF, right? I. I if because mm, it stands for imaginary friend and yeah. it's, in, it's in two capital letters, so I assume it's called if, right? Um, I think they're pronouncing it if, but yeah. if would make more sense. Technically, this is from the imagination of John Krasinski, <laughs> the visionary director, John Krasinski. Um, I'm glad you read what this movie is supposed to be, okay? Because watching the trailer, I was like, what is this? <laughs> I didn't know if that little girl was like seeing all the imaginary friends or if she just like entered the world of the imaginary friend, you know? Uh-huh. Um it's got a lot of people in it. Yeah, Lou Gossett Jr. With that is the name that really gagged me. Um <laughs> it But he's getting a lot of work lately. He's in the uh, color purple too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's great in that. Um as a super family-friendly character. <laughs> This movie is clearly for the children. This one's for the children. <laughs> and I don't I don't know. I, Ryan doesn't seem to be insufferable. 
so that it's got that going for it. I don't, I don't, I really don't have much for you, man. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, it, yeah, it looks like a, it, it feels like a movie that is not going to do well at the box office. And I don't mean that like just by like quality. I just mean like it's it's coming out in May. So it's like, oh, here's this family movie in May, but it's just not going to get all the family dollars. I mean, um, it's a, a week before Memorial Day weekend is a prime spot. And John Krasinski's got a pretty good track record at this point of his Quiet Place movies, which is absolutely what they should sell this on from the director of A Quiet Place. Yeah, imaginary friends. Yeah, it just like it. it's it's I'm sure people, a lot of people will like it. The The one plus I will say, though, is just Ryan Reynolds does not seem. Normally when he's, you know, the Adam Project, this does not seem like that. All right. Mark, how about you? Are you are you interested in IF or IF? Uh, I mean, it didn't really appeal to me a whole lot. Um, you know, the one of the things immediately, uh, Steve Carell is voicing this sort of fluffy character, Blue, and his voice was so recognizable to me that I all I could see was Steve Carell uh, voicing this character, like sitting in a room and reading the lines. So I couldn't really get my, I couldn't get lost in the fantasy of it because I just was thinking, oh yeah, this is Steve Carell doing a voice. However, um, as Terrence correctly said, this is definitely for kids and kids don't know who Steve Carell is. So they're not going to have that problem. He's grew. He's grew. Kids love grew. But yeah, but he affects a different kind of voice I there. I In here, it's, he sounds like Steve Carell to me. I mean, like I immediately thought, oh, there's Steve Carell doing that. But, um, you know, I, I, it seems like it wasn't it. Uh, was it Pikachu that Ryan Reynolds was in? Yes. Detective. Yeah. Pikachu. So it, it seems like, you know, he, he has this different kinds of films. Detective Pikachu. Yeah. He, this is sort of like one of those kinds of movies that he's he's doing. So. I think it's it's fine, but it, it's it's not something that I'm going to rush out to see. But you know, if if the kids love it, great. I it certainly feels like a pivot for Krasinski because he's you know he's made a couple Quiet Place movies that you know did huge dollars, and now he's getting what seems like the blank check, and he's gone for this imagination friendly family movie. And I, I hear what you guys are saying, and I, I think this looks awful. <laughs> I, oh, awful! <laughs> I, I thought you were seeing. I thought you were about to set us up to. <laughs> Yeah, Something I was totally uh, say you're oh, it was just you just were charmed by it or something. I, this, this this looks like it's going to be insufferable to me. Yeah, <laughs> I um I wish it all the best, and I know on this podcast I feel like I've made an enemy of John of John Krasinski because I think he has a big dumb nose that's really just invades the screen every time he has a close up in his movies. Uh, but I don't have anything against the man. I just I just look at this uh this trailer for this thing, and it's like. All right, um, big purple monster, and there's a lot of it. It feels like he watched like Drop Dead Fred. It's like, what if I made that, but like bigger? And it's like, okay, we'll see. I guess, but it it just it has a it has what looks like a kind of weird whimsy that I'm not into, and I usually like weird whimsy. I like, but the, this version of it, it's it's trying too hard. I mean, the, that's the, what I'm. Yeah, that's what I, I feel like. It, it feels yeah, like it's, it it feels but, like it's wanted to take notes from other movies and do its own thing, but its own thing just again looks insufferable to me <laughs> yeah well you know um Brian reynolds he also did the adam project yeah uh and i wasn't really a, a big fan of that either it just i just feel like ron reynolds he has this sort of like compartmentalizing his filmography you know the adam project detective pikachu and now this is sort of like the the through line that he's doing see but at least detective pikachu had like legitimately phenomenal vfx 
and like an anchoring story. I'm sure this is going to have an anchoring story, but just like it, the modes that he gets in, in some of these movies, is just like, there, there is a good actor somewhere in that body. Yeah, he, he emer he's like a groundhog. He emerges every now and then. Um, yeah, it's like, you don't have to convince me that I'm not the biggest guy on him. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, uh, especially when he's coasting, um, which is felt that yeah. way a lot um, in recent years. Um, but uh, we'll see uh, if does arrive in theaters uh, on uh, May 17th, 2024. Uh, so we shall see where that what's goes. making more money if or Inside Out 2, which comes out a month later. Inside Out 2. Well, an original film like this in this economy versus a sequel to a movie that made made like what, like $800 million. Like I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not too concerned there. Um, but um, I mean, speaking of uh, pure imagination, we should move on to our main review for Wonka. I've spent the past seven years traveling the world, perfecting my craft. You see, I'm something of a magician, inventor and chocolate maker. So quiet up and listen down. Nope. Scratch that. Reverse it. Mr. Wonka, I can see you're a man of great ingenuity. What are you doing? I'm making chocolate, of course. How do you like it? Dark, white, nutty, absolutely insane. Many people have come here to sell chocolate. They've all been crushed by the chocolate cartel. You can't get a shop without selling chocolate. And you can't sell chocolate without a shop. No daydreaming. What are we gonna do, Wooly? Huh. Huh? Huh. A double huh. Get the pencil and paper. Uh-huh. I got an idea. Alright, that should have been some of the trailer for Wonka. Roll Doll has proven to be a lucrative offer to adapt. While Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was not much of a success in theaters initially, it has become a family classic. Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, on the other hand, despite what some may tell you, was a well-reviewed smash hit in 2005. In between and beyond, we've seen several other doll movies, doll novels, uh, get the cinematic treatment and prevail much at at a more consistent level compared to any of the Dr. Seuss adaptations, for example. So now in the wise wisdom of Warner Brothers, here we are with a prequel story focused on Willy Wonka. Timothy Chalamet stars as the aspiring magician slash inventor slash chocolatier who intends to open a chocolate shop, but has met with many obstacles along the way in his musical, in this musical fantasy from Paddington director Paul King. Mark, I'd like to know, were you interested in exploring the early years of Wonka? And what did you think of this film? Uh, well, I was open to it. Um, so three words. Colorful, pleasant, and safe. That was my reaction. I went in with very low expectations. Uh, and it, it may not sound like I'm, I'm giving a ringing endorsement, but it's, it's not a disaster either. Um, I think the production values are vibrant and fun. I think there's some, some catchy songs that probably will grow on me the more that I, I hear them. I, I think the best songs in the movie are the ones that are the throwbacks to the original uh, 1971 film, the Pure Imagination and the Oompa Loompa song, which I am a huge fan of. And that's kind of why I went in with low expectations, because I really wasn't expecting it to top that film. And he is doing a variation of that character, uh, as opposed to the Johnny Depp character. Um, 
but he's he's very nice. I mean, he's a very sweet and loving guy. So I'm not exactly sure what the through line is from what happened to him between this movie and what he became in the 71, you know, version where he's older. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I appreciated uh, Timothy's, uh, you know, portrayal of the character. I think, you know, it's it has a, he's surrounded by a huge cast and there's a lot of characters here, um, maybe too many villains because uh, he's got the villains at the laundromat and then he's got the or the laundry place and then he's got the the chocolatiers that are almost like a like a drug cartel that kind of control the the chocolate making and then you've got the police department and the the church that are also kind of in on it so i mean it, it's a very kind of labyrinth story but if you sort of boil it down to its essence it's uh it's a sweet story uh he's got a um the noodle the little girl i don't what's the actress's name uh that plays it's uh uh Lane. she and him have a nice chemistry together i liked i like their interactions and uh you know it's fun i mean i think kids are gonna love this movie i i think it's you know in fact even in the theater that i was in kids were clapping and and the parents were enjoying it and so i think it's you know enjoyable so i think my comparing it to the original hurt it a little bit but if you just enjoy it for what it is i think it's very pleasant and you know it for what it is i think it's it's a, it's a nice piece of entertainment terrence are you a, are you a charlie are you a willy wonka and the chocolate factory fan and did you what do you think of this movie um i do enjoy the original quite a bit um i didn't know wh what to necessarily expect with this one it it feels like it stands in like direct opposition of that movie which is not necessarily a bad thing it's just like i remember the original willy wonka being like a mean movie like it's a kid's story but like people are getting turned into blueberries and drowned in chocolate rivers you know yeah there's seven it, kid deaths in that movie you're not wrong. yeah even though technically technically they don't die and the yeah, whatever they're dead right they die they they like to sugarcoat it but they no pun intended but they die they're they're, they're, they're not dead in the no i don't they, i don't the think story. they are dead because charlie at the it, end charlie it, asks and he but says you don't you don't see it on screen in my yeah. in my version of it they're dead yeah, so, Will, so you 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 believe in the Willy Wonka in the, in the Burton version? Killer. He cops out because in the Wong in the Gene Wilder we just talked about in the commentary. In the Gene Wilder film, you don't see them ever again after they're they're gone for the film. Yeah, in the in the depth ver in the Burton version, you see them all at the end. It's like, well, that's lame. I don't don't show me the kids. Well, that's because right. in, in the but that's neither here nor there. Um, so but they're dead. This movie is almost like <laughs> actively trying to be much more sweet and nice and whimsical and even though there are villains in this piece and they do some very very messy things uh -huh. it it doesn't and not like turning a girl into a blueberry is grounded but like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is not grounded in anything so you're just sort of like floating around in like a just a weird space with the movie so like i think it's cute i think kids probably will get a kick out of it i just was like not really moved by the movie because I was like, it's not making active choices to be something other than safe. Like what you mentioned, Mark, it's like, it's not, yeah, there's just something about it that just is not fully getting there. And I think it has a lot to do with the, I think that 
Timothy's performance is like almost to where it needs to be. And because it's not there, the movie just can't really like elevate. You know, I think I think a lot of the supporting characters are great. The chocolate cartel guys were a lot of fun. Keegan Michael <laughs> Key, um, you know, progressively getting larger because he's eating all this chocolate was very funny. Um, but it just like it's like studio sweet movie in a franchise where we're seeing like Willie himself impart some of the meanness on the kids. And it's like a morality tale. Like at the end, it's like is is there good in the world versus this? Yeah, it just is. It's like weird, weird vibes, because like even and obviously there's room to grow and who knows how this connects with the original. But just like there are things that happen to Willie that even in a person of extreme happiness, it would affect. And it doesn't seem to be like moving him that much. If, am I making any sense? You are. No, I hear you. Yeah. I, like it's, and like so he that, should that, be angrier. Yeah, just like I just need a little more texture. The given that the world around him has so many villains, there, there there's the the cynicism of that's not rubbing off on him in any way. So yeah, but he's also yeah, and it's also like not getting to feel the full weight of the sadness either, you know. Um. So yeah, it just it's kind of there. It's average. It's fine. It's cute. That's what the movie felt like to me. Yeah. I will note that the film made $39 million this weekend in America. Worldwide, it's already made $150 million um, on a one twenty five budget. And it's not like it's not going to keep making money because that's how movies released on this holiday season tend to work. Um, so if we are looking forward to seeing Willy Wonka turn into a bitter old bastard, well, I'm sure Wonka 2, The Rise of Slugworth, will uh, give us more of that oh, to God. dig into. <laughs> um, I um, I find this movie harmless but unremarkable. That's um, where i'm at with it i i think the 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 excitement i had for it if any was based on the fact that paul king was directing because obviously he made the paddington, paddington films yeah. um which you know the, the world loves <laughs> specifically paddington too <laughs> so it's like yeah all right he's doing this i mean that's one step in the right direction um but the results yeah mark safe is a great word for it terrence it just kind of being there is a good word for it um and i have specific reasons but the main one which I, I'm not afraid to say is, frankly, I just don't think Timothy Chalamet is very good in this movie. I think that's the problem. I think he's miscast here. Ooh, I, I think tell us he, how you really feel. I think he is a, you know, a popular young star who got roped into a franchise as opposed to being a fitting person for the Wonka role. I don't think who, he's... Who would you cast? I, I'd, I'd have to think about that a little bit offhand. Mm -hmm. Well, honestly, no. Honestly, you know, when they first announced this, um, the, 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 the favorite going around was Donald Glover. And I think Donald Glover could pull off Wonka quite well. I, I think there's a weirdness to him, and uh, mm -hmm. and you know a, just um, popped in mind. Hmm. Lakeith Stanfield. I was gonna say. So we talked about. We actually talked about this on the commentary track for the for Charlotte Roy <laughs> Wonka talking about. I think honestly, any cast member of Atlanta could probably be Zazie Beats. Could be a good Wonka. Like, I mean, yeah, like, you just you need you need a little like. <laughs> There's real weirdness. Yeah, there's just this there's no edge to the kid, at least in this. Right. And I don't think he's incapable of that. I think there's a version of Timothy Jalabay's performance that could work here. I just don't think it's there. I, I think it has he has like half of it down as far as the kind of when when um when Gene Wilder's showing a sense of wonder and trying to present that to the kids, I think Timothy Chalman knows that does that well. It's when he tries to be weird that I don't buy. Uh when he's like trying to say little kind of side things or addressing certain kind of 
situations in a you know isn't that weird kind of way i get i don't buy it at all it's just not can i just say i i think a lot of it is the writing i i think they didn't write the character weird yeah they wrote him just you know i would agree no i i I, like i don't think it's hard for him to 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 add to what isn't already there in the script i so i I, I place more blame on the screenwriter like yeah i'm not saying like Timothy Chalamet was is incapable or like he doesn't have the the talent to do certain things like this. Like, I know you're not a fan of Bones and all, Mark, but I do think he's like appropriately weird in that movie because that's a weird fucking movie. <laughs> but but this for Wonka, I just I don't I I whether or not the writing rose to the challenge, I don't think the the movie is supplying me with a character that could be performed in a way that like lines up like it's very specifically trying to be a prequel to the 1971 movie but it's like yeah there's i don't i don't need like i don't need wonka to be aggressively mean or something to like definitely resemble you know a version of gene wilder but like there's nothing really here um beyond fantasy adventure that happens to have a wonka coat of paint on it now again it you know it's harmless i think the production design is fine and the it's not the worst shot musical I've seen. <laughs> it's not the best, but it's not the worst shot. Um, and even like song wise, I mean, for me, it just kind of went in one ear and out the other outside of sure. songs that I definitely knew before, which I also think is a major problem with the movie. If you're going to show me Oompa Loompas and, and, and pure imagination, great. But especially if I'm pure imagination, I don't think the movie earns any emotion out of that whatsoever. So I, it, it, it doesn't resonate with me as far as like, oh, now he's singing that song because of how organic it feels to the story of being told. It just feels like, no, it's just a cheat to get you to feel a certain way. Like that, that's right. where I'm at. So it's, there's nothing. I, I did. What did you think of Hugh Grant? Hugh Grant's the highlight of this movie. <laughs> okay. I, I loved him. Yeah. I, I thought, I didn't quite understand why he's the only Oompa Loompa, but I did enjoy his presence in the film. Well, that's again, while well, we'll get Wonka 2, where we'll get all, you know. I like this, you know, by the way, I just got to say, I like this sort of second career that Hugh Grant is. I mean, he was the sort of foppish leading man in the early part of his career, and now he is Yeah, like this foils and villains is his evil. game. Yeah, fun. he's like totally, I, like... I mean, at one point you'd say he's playing against type, but I, I like this this part of his career that he's-, he's I entirely about. agree. Like, I, I I like him here. I liked him in Dungeons and Dragons. I like him in um, and the the guy Richie move Ruse de Guerra. Like I think yeah. he, like there's I, he's just th- these roles he's taking. He's working them really well. I and yes, him as an Oompa Loompa works. Like you know, it's not, it's not, it it's the it's the part of every time that element was in the film I was like, well, at least this is fun because Hugh Grant just knows how to do these dry line readings and you know make that work. Um, and I agree, like, the cast itself is, fun. like, it's a big cast, um, and it... Oh, gosh, lots I, of famous people. I, I do think, like, the Olivia Coleman, um, oh, what's his name, um, Belt Bleacher, Tom Davis, like, those characters, they feel right out of a doll book for a film right. that's trying to be doll in spirit, but I feel like barely getting away with it. That's the element that felt the most like a doll representation, like, watching those two people that are just, like, unrepentantly evil um in like a twisted sort of way it's like yeah that works that kind of stuff right and their their sort of superficial romance was kind of amusing so i i was you know i i chuckled at their sort of you know 
whatever that the anytime they were like on screen together i thought there was some enjoyment there yeah that that stuff is like again like again i think this movie it's 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 too it, it is a harmless film so it's too, there's too much stuff here for me to be like this sucks but it's like eh. <laughs> my life wouldn't have changed if i didn't get this movie like i, I yeah i just don't there's not much here uh beyond like a guarantee that kids will smile because it's colorful which is is there that's not that exciting for me because it's like there's there's stuff you could explore. I mean, there's other doll books you could explore, but this is... Is there a single song in this movie that is not from the previous incarnation that you remember? The... Well, so I will say this. I, I've been listening to the soundtrack, and uh, the, the the three cartel guys, they have this song that goes, Have you got a sweet tooth? Mm-hmm. I do. I, I've I listened to it enough times now that I, I, I kind of like it. But it's only because I've heard this the soundtrack separately and, and listened to it. Yeah. I mean Scrub Scrub, I think is the song that's Scrub, I was gonna say, my Scrub head. Scrub's the one that I can like I can think of. I still I even offhand I'm not having a great time like picture. And I, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the the staging of the of the, the sweet tooth villainy song. But mm-hmm. I think that's part of the songs are just kinda eh. Yeah, I mean you know, the... I think they should have leaned heavier into that whole chocolate cartel and make that a little more evil and sinister. And I mean, they literally are making a comment that they, they have the police department and the church in their back pocket. Which I, I mean, which is but there's... it doesn't even seem like subversive in this movie because it's so sweet and nice. And but it, it is and on it can paper. Be. Like that's the thing. Like I agree because <laughs> I like as much as I think like the Coleman like that stuff is very dull and fun to its own degree. I do think, you know, if you're giving me a Willy Wonka story, it's weird that it's like, now he's going to have to deal with these chocolate villains because the chocolatier is like, okay, that makes sense. Also, he's imprisoned in a laundromat. And like, wait, what? <laughs> that's a weird swerve to like, that takes up more screen time than the chocolate drama that's taking place in a movie that's about how this guy became a chocolatier, like the best one. Like, it's, it's, it's weird that it has this kind of subplot that's invading mm-hmm. on the side. That said, I mean, I like the side, you know, Jim Carter and the little glasses. That's fun. You know, he's, he's, he's nice to see. And I agree the little girl that he's like, I don't know, mentoring what have like, I think their chemistry is fine. Like the, I get like the bits and pieces here, like there's stuff and it, like it, it works to a degree. It's just, yeah, I just wish the, I, I wish they'd either, well, I wish Wonka was just a character that made more sense to me as it's, because it's just, he's, He's already Wonka in this movie. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's like there's no real there's no real change to him throughout this thing. He's just like he arrives as Wonka, he wants to do this thing, and there's just stuff in his way. It's not like he has to grow by any means. The only significant development he has is I guess grieving his mother, played by Sally Hawkins, as like, you know, and an, an apparition that appears every now and again to like <laughs> a little <laughs> angel. Yeah, just to give him like a wink and be like, Yeah, you're doing the right thing, Willie. Like there's not much there. So yeah, in a way, mm-hmm. uh, Cinderella, the live action, yeah. is a story about a character who doesn't have like this gigantic arc and is pretty nice all the time. And 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 the whole the whole impetus behind that story is right, like be kind, right? Uh huh. Um, Paddington's the same way, honestly. Yeah, and so like you can do this story and have your character not need to succumb to darkness or be evil or be mean or be as cynical as he was when he was, you know. Drowning children in rivers of chocolate, mm-hmm. you know, twenty years later, with his well, bare hands. He, he didn't. No, he didn't drown them. That <laughs> that child fell in. Yes, and he, he got his just desserts. And he no, no no pun intended. He let that girl chew that blueberry gum. 
and turn into that gigantic loop. But like, there's a, I, Well, he I said think, he sort of casually said, "Stop! Don't, please!" yeah, you know. the Johnny Depp one, I saw a clip of that from the Johnny Depp one. And it's particularly like, he was not trying to help that child at all. Um, But yeah, there's, I think there's a, the reason why I bring up Cinderella is because I, I really love that Yeah, adaptation. Uh, me, And so like, I, I think, I as well. I think there's, there's a way to do nice and have your character not need to grow dramatically but it's like and maybe you're right Aaron about like he's going up against this cartel and he's in you know A human trafficking subplot. yeah and it's like but but we're not really taking anything really serious so it, it like the like the balance of it is out of whack and we don't get to see how the nice because my thing is is like okay they put him you know it's not like he didn't try and help noodle Right. It'd be different if he was just like he's presented with the situation. He was like, OK, I'm just going to leave. And then he has a moment where I was like, no, I can't leave. It's it's not really like that. Like he he does attempt to try and and fix the problem. So, yeah, it's, it's something is a little off Well, about because it's it. it's like it's like Mark you said at the beginning. It's very safe in a way that if you're adapting a doll, and it's not even adapted from anything. It's just going off of the idea of a doll story at this point. But like the whole key to doll, his work is that it does have edge. It does have a Mm a sense of danger to it um, that kids should absolutely be able to embrace, which they have in a movie called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> this movie, it doesn't try to deploy anything that'll. suggest any sense of danger even though there are certainly areas where there are characters that are in dangerous situations based off the the evilness of the villains but the film never feels like that it never feels like Wonka is coming any closer to death than he needs to be or that the the implications of what's going on are going to change somebody in some way like I, I agree Terrence I agree with you that like yes you can make a movie that's you know about being kind and about characters that don't necessarily need to progress with you know ginormous character growth but can still affect the world around them in some way but I don't think that's what you want from a movie you know set in the in in rolled doll territory where there should be more to it than just uh you know simple lessons being learned like it, it 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 feels very stripped down from what we could have gotten as far as a Wonka that introduces us to some side to like a, you know, a, a side of himself, which again, I think is what's lacking in that Chalamet performance, regardless of his ability. If there was something there that suggested that he had this wild side to him, that's not just the idea of him saying weird things every now and then or, you know, you know isn't that quirky, but like. tempting fate in some way or like him and noodle going on adventures that might not work out well if they're not careful or anything like that. So it's just, yeah, instead it's just kind of like this, you know, this thing that comes out that's colorful that kids will laugh at and, you know, enjoy the songs and Oompa Loompa dances around. Like there's nothing else to, to it, but it'll make a bunch of money and everybody will be happy. So it's, it's the worst kind of product for me in that regard. Uh, but Yeah, again, I it's just too, but it's too, but it's too harmless for me to like hate. So it's like, I don't know. okay, because I, I was just gonna clarify my own feeling is because it sounds like we're really coming hard down on this film. I still would give it a I I still would give it a positive review. It's Because it's just a, it should, it I'm just not it like should try harder. I think is my my issue with it. I feel like that you know if so. you It, it's you were disappointed, basically. I'm disappointed that it's hard to be disappointed because it's not like I had my sights set high. Like I'm glad Yeah, that it's not a I disaster. was not. I'm glad that it's not a disaster. You know, I did. I as much as I roll my eyes at the idea of Wonka prequel story, I I'm not going to walk into the theater and being like, well, this better suck. Like that's not how I am. But. At the same time, it's like, well, if you're giving me Paul King as a director, if you're giving me Timothy Chalamet leading a cast that includes all of these people that are very talented, you have cinematography uh, by uh, 
uh, uh, Chung Chung. Uh, you have the, the people involved in the music. You have all these elements from a big studio that's giving it a hundred million dollars to make this movie. I want that to be not just like okay, you know. I, I it, at the most, I, I I like something more to come out of that. And it's just it, it's annoying to me that a, you know, a cash in an IP didn't lead to more than just a cash in an IP. Like this feels like what the what the worst version of Barbie or Lego movie could have been. Like this was like the, that side of it, instead of being something subversive and creative and interesting, it's just the, yeah, they slapped this together and you know, it's fine. I have a question. Did you, this is for both of you. Did you see Matilda the musical? Uh, yes. Uh, well, I saw the, I saw the Netflix movie version. I haven't of it. seen, I haven't seen the Netflix version, but I've, I've seen the, uh, the stage show. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's the same. I was talking about the Netflix movie, but what did you guys think of that? Like, as as compared to this, because I, I got vibes of that film with this film. Uh, I I found the the musical element a bit more engaging. I'll say that. Like, I like the movie overall, but I I would say if like you're telling me that there's a musical doll adventure going on here, that's one where I I appreciated what the songs were after, as opposed to this movie. Yeah, I thought the. I thought Matilda the musical was sort of overstuffed. It had a lot of characters and it was a little bit. <laughs> I agree. It is. I'd agree. Yeah. 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 So that was, it, it wasn't, I, I would actually say I, I liked Wonka uh, slightly more than the Matilda musical. Yeah. I just think the music in the Matilda musical is better. Um, and, you know, I know people who are listening to this may or may not know that Wonka actually is a musical. <laughs> I, I don't know if you'd know that from the marketing, but um yeah, I kind of need, I think maybe if the songs were more, more remarkable, I might feel a little different. I have a very high standard. I love musicals, so I have a very high standard when it comes to comes to those things. Um, West, so yeah, Side like, Story, West Side Story was my favorite film of recently, the, the recent uh, Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg. So yes, love musicals when they're done well. Yeah, they, so yeah, here it's kind of like, okay, I think you've never seen chocolate like this or never had chocolate like this was the sort of the highlight of the, of sort of like the big spectacle of it. But yeah, I like this movie is fine. I think if if a lot of kids are going to see this and they're going to love it, it's I think a lot of parents are going to take it. Their... Like, yeah, like parents are going to take their kids to see it and they're not going to be like, oh my God, why are we here? That, that... I think kids are going to like it. I, I think kids who have no knowledge of the earlier film are yeah. going to be the biggest fans of this movie. I think even beyond, I think if they are familiar, I mean, it's not impossible for them to appreciate it as well like i mean it's like i said it made money this weekend it has like an a minus cinema score so it's like yeah it's 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 liked people are enjoying it i i would argue that a plus or a would have been better for a family film like this but a minus is fine but i i think with a film like this you really want like an a plus or an a for cinema score i mean but yeah it's it's being seen um and they're they're genuine genuinely favorable reviews. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I I think I, I think it's well liked. What was I going to ask? Oh, um, I will say this movie did make me want to eat chocolate. That's not nothing. Well, <laughs> watching this movie, I don't I'm like, think I need a movie to make me want to do, do that. Do you but... not normally like eating? No, chocolate? but like watching this movie, I was like, you know what? I really could go for some chocolate right now. Like, it's not like it made me disgusted by the chocolate going on on screen. <laughs> like, it would it, 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 it presented me with a film that was like. Yeah, chocolate does sound good right now. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, that's all. Mm. Terrence, you like the Keegan thing with him uh, expanding and uh... 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, didn't bother me, but I saw that and I thought, oh, this is like a controversy waiting yep. to happen. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, I was, I was absolutely thinking the same. <laughs> well, but that is Roald Dahl, though. Like that is would, yeah, that is it, sort of a th yeah. That's a throwback to an earlier time. Yeah. So that's 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 how I saw, it, and that's why I'm not like sitting here being offended. <laughs> but it's offended. like yeah, yeah I, it definitely because it happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. I think it, it like they pushed it past where it could be offensive, and and you know who knows I'm, I might not be the person to to speak on that, but like in two hours he like quadruples in inside because they're paying him in chocolate and you're just seeing it's like it's like meant to show like the level of villainy versus you know just being like oh, he's corrupt yeah and i can see like how certain people could interpret that certain ways i and i was i respect the dissenting opinion on that but i mean yeah for the 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 silliness and the overtopness of it of it all i think that makes a difference and it's the character himself is never being shamed for that reason you know specifically because of the weight i guess but it is like a sight gag essentially that that's happening i don't know i mean it's it, it it it's too much of like a non-starter for me of an argument to begin with but it's like i i get where that would come from if it became like more of a thing but like at least i'm i'm happy not seeing like headlines um in like online trades being like keegan michael keys fat shaming people like i don't know um anything else about this movie terrence did you like you grad is the oompa loompa you were he's fun you're quite silent during this movie uh, no he's fun <laughs> interesting origin story the tough the tough thing about it joe is just when you know what the origins of the oompa loompa actually are yeah it's like oof. <laughs> oh yeah the original book is uh, yeah i'm, I'm a little yeah. concerning it's yeah. not great every choice they've made since then has uh been for the better <laughs> yeah <laughs> so from that standpoint i was like this is it but yeah, he's, he's orange, fun so you know he's he's fun um, I, I just like the idea of like why he's snatching the chocolate uh-huh and then actually paying that forward in the plot of the movie uh, in a way that's more than just the backstory. Yeah, I, I do like that's a the the most antagonistic relationship seems to be the Oompa Loompa and Willie. Like that's yeah, that's, that's the one that has the most meat to it. It seems where everything else is just more circumstance um, that's getting in the way of Wonka uh, exceeding. Okay, uh, I mean I don't know what else to expand upon with Wonka. So with that said, uh, this movie is playing in theaters all over the place and IMAX for a week at least. Um, when should people go and see Wonka, Mark? When should people see this movie? I mean, oh gosh, I, I I would I'll say theater because I think let's put it this way: if if you um, have a family, you want to take the kids. I think it's an it's a pleasant time at the theater. So I'll say theater. Terrence, truthfully, this is going to come on HBO Max at some point, <laughs> uh -huh. and I'd say wait. But if you have a family, I could I'd say you know take them to the theater. I don't disagree with this family uh, notion, except I just I think the movie's too just average. Um, if I'm going to spend, you know, if you have multiple seven hundred dollars, yeah, for multiple the children and concessions, I'm like, spend well, money something else. <laughs> I, I mean, I I talked about the boy and the heron at the beginning of the show. There that's also yeah, that's a great film for the, the for the, the whole heron, family. Or there's another Warner Brothers musical coming out pretty soon that I think would also be worthwhile for. Yeah, don't uh, if you don't live in a gigantic metropolitan area like los angeles <laughs> maybe go see this because maybe your movie tickets are less 
than what they charge also, out here. Yeah, that's also a fact for sure. Uh, but no, I, I would agree with the HBO Max uh, rings. Like, yeah, yeah it'll, it'll look nice in 4K on HBO Max. Go for that. <laughs> you can hear it. You can see it. You see all the colors. All right. Well, that's been our discussion of Wonka. Uh, but that's not all, of course. So let's move on. Let's get to uh, what time is it? Oh, look, it's time for games. <laughs> Wow, the chime really all of that just gave up the gusto there. <laughs> I I have a very experimental music style, Terrence. Um, and uh, you know what? It's it's propelled this podcast past a decade. So <laughs> take that as you will. Uh, that is, of course, the improv theme for games. And I have a game for you guys. It is called the Candyman Can Test You. What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to describe a movie based on a sweet treat of sorts that's in said movie. And you have to tell me the title of the movie and, for an additional point, the candy in said movie that I'm referring to. Jesus. Uh, If you feel you know the answer, say your name and then the answer. I'm not sure I understand, but... I'm going to read a sentence. I'm sure to describe a movie. Uh, you got to name that movie. There is also references to various treats in the movies. If you can name what treat is in said movie, that's an additional point. So there's two points possible on every question because I wanted to make this extra complicated. (laughs) Yes. Here we go. You'll get this as we go along. Here we go. Here's the first one. According to the title character in this movie, children with very little pocket money can enjoy this candy because it changes colors when sucked on but never gets any smaller or disappears. Mark. Mark. so you want me to give the movie? I went to the movie, and if you know the candy, name the candy. Well, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh-huh. Everlasting Gobstopper. That is correct. Two points for Mark. There you go. Okay. Here's the next one. In this film, in order to coax this character out of hiding, a boy leaves a trail of this chocolate peanut butter treat. Mark. Mark. E.T. E. the Reese's Pieces. That That is correct. For somebody who said they didn't understand the game, <laughs> you sure are quick on the draw. I know. I'm usually horrible at these games, actually. <laughs> right. I think the only person who hates the games more than I is Marcus Robinson. It's, yeah, it's Marcus. <laughs> no question. Here's the next one. Filling out all of the food groups, the lead character in this film concocts a dish made of pasta, maple syrup, chocolate syrup, marshmallows, a chocolate fudge Pop-Tart, and these candies. What? Filling out all of the food groups, the lead character in this film concocts a dish made of pasta... Maple syrup, chocolate syrup, marshmallows, a chocolate fudge pop tart, and these candies. As if reading it slower was going to help me. It could have. It doesn't. I sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Abe's gonna scream at the computer when he hears this. This is a. You want me to one more hints? I'm trying to channel Abe. What Abe think this would be? This is a two. read, Read the ingredients. Pasta. Maple syrup, chocolate syrup, marshmallows, a chocolate fudge Pop-Tart, and these candies. Mark. Mark. Is that Elf? It is Elf. Oh, God. And then what I'm, I'm supposed to name do what? You know the, uh, do you know the, the final ingredient of this elaborate dish that he, he's made? Uh, I don't know. Can it's I M- take a guess yeah. for a point? Yep. Yeah. Candy canes? It's M&M's. M&M's. Damn. 
There's a bonus question though here because I mentioned the four the the main food groups uh, in Elf. Buddy the Elf does name the four main food groups. Can you name what those four food groups are? No. <laughs> Unambiguous. No. Mark, any idea? I can't. You know, I I don't know it. It's a uh, candy, candy canes, candy corn, <laughs> and syrup. <laughs> you know, if I had, I have not watched Elf in years. So if I had watched it maybe more recently, I would, I would know that. Fair enough. So as as somebody who actually likes candy corn, uh huh, oh, how God. does that factor into this dish that he's made? You didn't love candy it, corn. It. I didn't say it did. I'm just, in the in the movie itself, there's another port in the movie where they go over the four main food groups, and that's what they are. Interesting. It's just some elf trivia. It was an opportunity to get a bonus point, which you failed entirely. So there you go. <laughs> I, I'm going to have a record low score in this game. We'll see. There's 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 several more questions. So <laughs> here's the next one. In order to fend off a series of monsters, this young character recruits fantasy creatures by allowing them to taste the rainbow in this film. Terrence. Terrence. I'm going to go for the bonus point first. Okay. Skittles. Skittles is the correct answer. You're going off slogans. Do you not know the film that I'm referring to? <laughs> actually, actually don't. My mind just went blank. To fend off a series of monsters, this young character recruits fantasy creatures by allowing them to taste the rainbow in this. Film. Oh, Mark. Mark. Shazam 2. You got it. You got a full title for me? Uh, oh god! I, <laughs> I I've got the full title. <laughs> F- uh, Fury of the Gods. There you go. You got it. Okay. Is but that really what happened? I remember. Seen, I was actually I've seen this I, movie. Is that really? Yeah, what and I remember I was irritated by the fact that it was like a Skittles commercial. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> she, she, she trains unicorns <laughs> to go after the fantasy. <laughs> Here's the next one. In this film, an abused, deformed, but child-hearted man is convinced to be on the side of good with the help from this treat. What was the last part of it? I'll just read the whole thing. In this film, an abused, deformed, but child-hearted man is convinced to be on the side of good with help from this treat. Why did I almost say the elephant man? Wouldn't that be a fun start of that? Remember when Anthony Hopkins lures the elephant man using taffy (laughs) or something? (laughs) Cotton candy from the circus. Any ideas on this one, guys? Abused. Deformed, but child-hearted man is convinced to be on the good side with help from this treat. It's like like right on the tip of my tongue, and I just can't. Abe would be dominating this. (laughs) Yeah, too bad, Abe. Okay, yeah, he's not here. Why did you want to show up? Two points for me. The answer is the Goonies. And baby Ruth. Uh, oh. All right. Here's the next one. It's this, so obvious once you say it. Once you say yeah. the Goonies, yeah. <laughs> Sloth. Okay. In this film, the most popular girls in high school run into trouble when one of them dies. Terrence. On- Terrence? The jawbreaker. Jawbreaker. And it's a jawbreaker. It is a jawbreaker. <laughs> Here, there you go. <laughs> I was I was praying that the, that that movie would come up because I love it so much. When one of them dies on account of a birthday surprise gone wrong through the use of this hard candy. Just to end of that. Yeah. Sentence. Okay. Here's the next one. In this film, a French woman and her young daughter arrive in a small remote village that Mark. Up the, yep, Mark. Chocolat. Chocolat. What What do they open in chocolat? 
Well, a chocolate shop. Yeah, it's not ambiguous. That's the right answer. Okay, I was, <laughs> I was trying to trick I was you. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like, wait, what? You know, by the way, uh, the taste of things is that is there any connection there between that and chocolate? Is there any similarities? Because that's sort of the vibe I get from the description you gave. Two movies that don't need to be nominated for Oscars. Oop. Um... <laughs> yeah, well, the chocolate I think is almost sort of you know Julia Binoche in a romance with food. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, because Benoche is chocolate right? is better to me. Benoche is okay. In so taste the things, right? Maybe that's why I thought. Of, yeah, there's. Yeah. What if it was like a legacy sequel to Chocolat? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. While teaching class, this well-meaning and quite large scientist opens a hidden drawer to take a bite of this candy bar. Terrence. Terrence. The Nutty Professor. The Nutty Professor. Can you <sighs> name the candy bar? Oh God. Snickers. It is a Snickers. Look at you. Ooh. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> I pulled that out of nowhere. You're nutty professor. All right. Here's the next one. In this film, while this group of celebrities attempt to survive during a devastating apocalypse, they find themselves eventually fighting over this candy treat. Mark. Okay. Mark. Uh, Don't look up. Incorrect. Terrence. Oh. Terrence. This is the end. This is the end. This is the correct oh. movie. You remember the, the candy treat involved? Is it Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Incorrect. It is a Milky Way. Oh. You didn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't have known it, but you didn't give me a chance. Sorry. Uh, I wouldn't have known it either. Apologies. <laughs> I definitely didn't know. Okay. Next one. In this film, on a college campus, a killer incapacitates a man and then murders him by forcing bathroom chemicals and this candy down his throat. Oh, this is so aggravating. Can you read it, read it again? In this film, on a college campus, a killer incapacitates a man and then murders him by forcing bathroom chemicals and a can this candy down his throat. Side note: Why the bathroom chemicals and the candy? If you know the answer to this movie, it would make more sense. Can I, Terrence? Terrence, Happy Death Day. Incorrect. Mark, any idea? Mm, I I don't know. It's urban legend. Oh, and the candy my is God. Pop Rocks. Oh, the idea is mixing pop rocks and soda, but this is a murderer, and so he's not going to use pop rocks, and so he's going to use bathroom chemicals to murder somebody. That's this feels like over. That feels like, notes for the killer of this movie. That feels like overkill. I mean, the, the whole thing is he's killing people using urban legends. The whole movie's overkill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, here's the next one. In an attempt to coax <laughs> this creature out of hiding, this curious math teacher or that this curious teacher attempts to use this candy bar to get his attention with deadly results. In an attempt to coax this creature out of hiding, this curious teacher attempts to use this candy bar to get this creature's attention with deadly results. I'm drawing a blank. Nobody? Nothing? I don't, I don't have any. Don't <laughs> no, have you have to edit all this dead air. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, huh? No. Uh, okay, it is Gremlins. Oh my god, that's an old... Uh, the film the is Gremlins. teacher? Yeah, it's a teacher at the school. He leaves the little thing behind and turns into a gremlin. I'm so mad at myself. And he, he, he pulls out a Snickers, um, and then the gremlin grabs his hand and starts, you know, he kills him. <laughs> like, he's, like, he's dead. I'm so, oh, my God. That was what I was going to say. It's uh, Glenn Turman and everything. Great actor. Okay. No one on the gremlins, Paul. All right. Two more. <laughs> 
In an attempt to relax during a hot summer, a rowdy group head to the pool only for this candy bar to ruin their fun by being mistaken for a duty in this film. I'm surprised I got through that whole sentence. None of you jumped on that one, really? <sighs> mm. In an attempt to relax during a hot summer, a Terrence, rowdy group... Yeah? The Little Rascals? No, not The no, Little Rascals. God. No, it's not that. What is it? You're going to say the title and I'm going to just scream. Rowdy group head I... to the pool only for this candy bar to ruin their fun by being mistaken for a duty in this film. Mark, no? Mm, I, it sounds familiar. I'm sure when you say it, I'll know it. The answer is Caddyshack. Oh. Caddyshack oh. with a baby roof floating in the water. Which uh, I had the candy. They then drank You had the candy? In mind, yeah. I was just trying to think of movies where people go to the pool. Okay. <laughs> well, I got one more. And actually, Terrence, if you get this one right, you'll tie Mark, and I have to come up with a tiebreaker question. <laughs> oh, God. I'm expecting that with all the elaborate points in this game. All right. Delighted by sweets, this largely silent TV character manages to drop one of these chunky, colorful candies into a patient undergoing surgery in this film. Mark. Mark? What? These, this, these are movies? This is a movie. Hmm. Read the sentence again, please. Delighted by sweets, this largely silent TV character manages to drop one of these colorful, chunk chunky, colorful candies into a patient undergoing surgery in this film. See, what I'm doing is laying in hints as to who the character might be by saying certain things. That's the strategy. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I can't wait. I it's just, say it's funny because it it reminds me so much of that Seinfeld episode of with course the Junior Mint. Yeah, but that's... It reminds me a lot of the Three Stooges. Okay. But I don't think that's where this is going. No guesses? It's the silent part that's really throwing me off. Any guesses on the candy? Say the sentence again, please. <laughs> this largely silent TV character manages to drop one of these chunky, colorful candies into a patient undergoing surgery in this film. It feels like you're talking about like a, a Mike and Ike. Well, the answer is Bean. Movie Bean with Mr. Bean. And Aaron, the please. And the candy is a peanut M&M. Please what? Because you're what you I mean, big, that's not, not a big when I hear fan. the answer, I don't, I don't I'm not mad at myself for not knowing it. A, a read the description of the candy again. Chunky colorful candy? Do you consider a peanut M&M chunky? Does it is is it significantly bigger than an M&M? It's just like twice it's two oh, times you, the size. You say relative twice the size? That sounds chunky. Tiny thing. <laughs> I think chunky. I'm thinking like a Mike and Ike's Junior Mints. Mints. What are you talking about? Like a junior mint's probably the same size as a chunk as a peanut M&M. Oh my gosh. We'll we'll examine peanut M&Ms later. <laughs> Regardless, Terrence, you came in second place. Mark, you're the winner of this week's game. <laughs> the Candyman can test you. <laughs> yeah, yay. <laughs> I feel like you're mad at us, Aaron. I'm, you're I'm not mad at you. You're just so like frustrated. You're so underwhelmed by the fact that the answer was bean. <laughs> like it's like all right, it's fine. And the, the the discrepancy of chunky, colorful camp. I'm just when I liked I liked the callback to Rowan Atkinson because he's in the, our movie of this week. I thought it was clever when I made the game. So there. I'm sorry, Abe, that I let you down. Whenever you listen to this, since you're not here to probably sweep <laughs> this game, it would have kept you on your toes, though. I mean, I would I would never have gotten the elf one. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, that was games. Let's move on. Let's do that. Let's get to enough feedback.
Feedback, feedback, feedback. There you go. Um, this is where I go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash dot podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners and they gave us some answers. And uh, Mark, Terrence, people will throw in any answers as we go through these. Uh, first question we have here What's your favorite role doll adaptation? Chris Cleveland writes the Fantastic Mr. Fox and James and the Giant Peach in that order. Uh, Philip Hurd has the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mario Mutis writes Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox all day. What is your guys' favorite role doll adaptation? Oh, mine's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. James and the Giant Peach. I am a Fantastic Mr. Fox guy. It's one of my favorite movies and Wes Anderson movies in general. Uh, Although I, I will take up I will take up for The Witches because I think that's a great film. One of Angelica Houston's best roles. Yeah, that's I like The Witches a lot. Another one that's like, we're going to scare you. <laughs> we're going to go out of our way. Yeah, and also, you know, it's subversive. I like that, you know, the children are so repulsive to the witches that they can smell them. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, that's that little, that's a, that Roald Dahl wit that I was missing in our this week's movie. Yeah. Mark, I got a question for you. Uh, with Roald Dahl adaptations, I know you haven't been too fond of the later Wes Anderson movies. Did you watch his Roald Dahl films that came on Netflix? Uh, so I, I, I think I watched the first two and then a little bit of the third and i i i don't know i i wasn't captivated by them all right it was so they're so affected like that narration is just it's it's a lot you know after a while yeah it's curious okay next question we have here what is your favorite kind of candy the lovely anna bosch has whoppers snickers and reese's peanut butter cups philip hurt has reese's peanut butter cups Chris Cleveland has sour bubble gum bottles. Todd Levin, our friend of the show, has Kit Kat bars. Justin Weatherby has Cadbury cream eggs. Ruben Acevedo, must be a new listener, uh, Butterfingers. Uh, Michael Lee, friend of the show, has gummy bears. And Irene Johnson has Reese's peanut butter cups. That's certainly popular. Reese's peanut butter cups. You guys have a favorite candy, a go-to? Snickers. Yeah, Snickers. Unless I'm at a movie theater, then it's Red Vines. I am a red vines guy when it comes to my licorice. I am a yes, uh, specifically red vines. I don't do not come at me with a Twizzler. Yeah, I, I heard you. You said red vines. I said red vines as well. And yeah, I'm just I'm I telling not, the world. I, I didn't say generic licorice brand. I said red yeah. vines. <laughs> so that's that was the answer. <laughs> I think I need... for movie theater, mine are uh, peanut M Ms. I like those, but for just candy Snickers. Yeah. Red Vines licorice for candy bars. I'm a Milky Way guy myself. And, Love Milky uh, Way, and uh, I like I like my Skittles. Those other things, but as far as like the generics go, like you know, I can't can't find Jujubes anywhere anymore. So it's not can't just say Jujubes because I can't get them, but I'm welcome to having them. All right. Next question we have here: What are some great films about eccentric dreamers? Chris Cleveland has The Aviator. Luke Thompson has The Disaster Artist. <laughs> Justin Weatherby has I Like the Greatest Showman. Philip Hurt has The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. And Scott Mendelson has Ed Wood. Great films about <laughs> <Scott>. eccentric dreamers. <laughs> eccentric dreamers. Hmm. Anything? Yeah. I'm trying to scroll through my great movies list real quick. <laughs> <laughs> can I use The Nightmare Before Christmas? Sure you can. <laughs> yeah, Jack Skellington. Mark, anything? Um, yeah, nothing really comes to mind. All right. What about a big fish? Drew's big. Fun. I guess we had a lot of Burton on the mind. Uh, all right. 
Next question here. Who are some great cinematic ruthless businessmen? Adam Gentry, friend of the show, has Mr. Potter in It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Justin Weatherby had The Joker. Uh, Irene Johnson has Ebenezer Screwed. I'm partial to Michael Caine's version in Muppet Christmas Carol. How can you be mean to Kermit? <laughs> Philip Hurt has Chaz Tannenbaum. <laughs> and uh, Ruben Acevedo, back again, has The Godfather. Cinematic Ruthless Businessmen. Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. There you go. Gordon Gecko. Uh, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Are there any iconic characters you'd like to see an origin story for? Jesus. Philip Hurd has Spike Spiegel from uh, Cowboy Bebop. I have a couple more here that I forgot to write down. Um, Maxwell Haddad writes uh, Young Marv and Harry from the Home Alone movies. <laughs> um, James has Nancy Ritz from uh, what, Fritzy Ritzy. And uh, let's see. Daniel Johnson has, I'm excited about the Furiosa one. Christopher Nolan kind of left us hanging with the tease of, Ro- of a Robin story with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I didn't see that, but I'd like to have Nolan be directing. Mm. Any iconic characters you want to see their origin story for? Uh, you know, uh, how about Ursula from The Little Mermaid? Okay, all right. You know, I mean, I'll... my short answer to that question is no. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, but I'm, I'm trying to play the game, so. I agree, which is why I had that sigh. Right up there. But I do think an Ursula origin could be fun. Maybe. I'm, I don't know. Well, we are getting a. Well, yeah, after Barry Jane. Equal about a Disney character Mufasa. next year. <laughs> yeah. Tag him on to the Ursula story as well. So, I mean, but in general, my answer would be no. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Uh, little Jaws, you know, when the <laughs> shark growing up finds his way going up the East Coast to, to uh, see that's a, that's exactly the kind of origin story I don't need. Little Little Jaws. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's what I loved about the new Godzilla is like he's not this misunderstood creature or something. He's just bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite non-animated family-friendly musical? Todd Levino has the sing singing in the rain. Philip Hurt has La La Land. Family friendly? I don't know. Family friendly? Yeah. Jason <laughs> Hemming has Little Shop of Horrors, the director's cut. Oh, love. Chris Cleveland also has La La Land or Mary Poppins. I don't know. Mary Poppins is pretty animated. Lean it in there. Thin eyes, Chris. Well, I mean, my go-to is The Wizard of Oz. I think I've seen that film more than anything, so non-animated me i'm running through like 70 in my mind right now to try and <laughs> pare it down i I love the little shop of horrors mention um family friendly uh i'm gonna the sound of music okay it's a good one I, it's hard to not choose a little shop of horrors for me honestly i think that's a pretty damn good answer i don't know labyrinth is that, that counts as a musical it's got songs that's not a musical it's not really a musical. it's got dave bowie doing stuff but I'll, it's fair. I'll, I'll stick with uh, with uh, <laughs> well, um, not all well, with a uh, little shop of horse. All right, last question we have here: Who are some great despicable characters from children's films? Keith Dunlap writes the Child Catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Ooh. Chris Cleveland also has the Child Catcher and the Penguin. Uh, Philip Bird has the Aunts in James and the Giant Peach are awful. Yes. J- uh, oh, that's it. That's all we got. You said, do they have to be human? Whatever. Uh, the I mean, go ahead. Smog from Fern Gully. 
pollution, whatever Tim, Tim, the Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say toxic love, but that's just the name of the song. Yeah. That's a, you know, that that's a bad movie, but I like that character. Don't let's, let's end this on a nice. Oh, is that what you want to do? You don't want to talk about how Fergalee is not a good movie. Let's end this on a nice. It, 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 it only, it only succeeds because of nostalgia. <laughs> I will cut the zoom off and, and you won't have a backup recording. Mark, what was your answer? Oh, uh, well, so my mind kind of goes to Disney movies. So I, I, I love Cruella DeVille. Mm-hmm. She's kind of, she, she was sort of based on Tallulah Bankhead. And I like the way that she's voiced in that movie. Um, but uh, also, I mean, I, I said the the Wizard of Oz is one of my favorite musicals, obviously the Wicked Witch and that. And then um, Prince, I think, was it Prince Humperdinck from The Princess Bride? Yeah. He's kind of amusing. Not my favorite character in that movie, but he's essentially the villain. Well, there's him and then there's Christopher Guest as the, 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 the six-fingered man. The two of them make a... And I mean, Wallace Shawn, <laughs> for that matter, it's pretty despicable in that movie. Uh-huh. Well, that yeah. I mean, I I don't think of him as the main antagonist, but yeah, sure. he's yeah. It's just the it's just despicable characters from these movies, so. right? Um, but I love the Princess Bride, so I was just trying sure. to pick something from yeah. that film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, growing up, Mufasa or, or Scar to me was um oh yeah the most despicable because I'm like you what he's dad like that's not nice uh, that was my child logic like that's not a good thing and he has a great song I'm like I can't hate you like the song's great but it's, it's pretty. It's kind of ruined everything. Um, so yeah, I go Scar. All right. Well, how's that now? Feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Leave Entertainment for movie reviews. Blue, Why So Blue for Blue Rank Criterion reviews. I am on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Terrence Johnson, where can people find more of your work online? You can find me at lenoirauteur.net, L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. Or on Twitter at Terrence B. Johnson. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of you? Um, you could read my reviews on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, Audible, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and out, all those things at some variation of out at outnow underscore podcast. Uh, and of course, once again, uh, iTunes reviews ratings good to get those helps out our show. Uh, Terrence, Mark, thank you both for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, having, for having me. For sure. Happy to talk about Wonka with you guys. Thank you, the listeners, for listening. Next week, uh, we do plan to have an Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom episode uh, right right before Christmas. Honestly, we're going to try to record that pretty early, <laughs> so we'll be able to get that out. Um, but of course, there's plenty of other movies arriving that we'll try to uh, get episodes going for as well. So stay tuned for all of that. But once again, thanks everybody for listening. So that's going to do it for now. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Close your eyes and count to ten. Make a wish now. Open them. Here's a store that's like no other. If it were, I wouldn't bother. Chocolate bushes, chocolate trees, chocolate flowers and chocolate bees, chocolate memories that a boy once saved before they melted away. A world of your own.
Ba-dee-doo.